We miss out on being all that God would have us to be. Our lives were meant for others to see. It's been said that there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then our lives. And what's interesting is most people will never read the first four. They'll simply watch you. Our lives are the most Bible that anyone may ever read. What are they seeing? Is it a good translation? In this teaching today, Pastor Daniel will tackle a touchy issue, human sexuality. We'll see that this church in Thyatira was compromising in this area, an area that we're all vulnerable to due to the culture we live in. We're bombarded by messages about sex that are completely opposite of what God meant it to be. And that's exactly how the devil wants it, to corrupt something God created as beautiful. It's a problem that has to be urgently addressed for every individual, or it will only escalate. Take new, bold steps of faith in the name of Jesus. I know it's beautiful. I know that's our heart as a church. So we like, Pastor, I just want to take that next step with Jesus. And I believe it's time for us to. The world needs us to do more than we did yesterday, like the church in Thyatira. If the letter ended there, we'd be golden. But it doesn't. Look at the bad. Look at the bad. We get three verses here to unpack what's going on. Look at what it says. In verse 20, it says, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation Unless they repent of their deeds, I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one according to your works. Now, I'm going to give you the concept and then I'm going to unpack it. And the concept is simple. We need to forsake Jezebel. We need to follow Jesus. Forsake Jezebel and follow Jesus. You got to love it. All the, uh, it's all alliterated for you, right? Forsake Jezebel, follow Jesus. That's like preacher's candy right there for you. Forsake Jezebel and follow Jesus. Now notice, the problem in the church in Thyatira is that they allow this woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to seduce the people. Now, the idea of a prophetess. Prophets, very common. They've been common as long as God has been moving in people. There are people who speak as with the authority of God. 
I think the simplest way, when people think of a prophet or prophecy, they always think of the foretelling of the future. That's a very small aspect to what a prophet does. If you read all the prophecy in the Bible, only about one-third of it is actually predicting the future, and two-thirds of it is something completely different. So even though we, we like the prediction of the future, every time someone comes out with a book about predicting the future, it's a New York Times bestseller because, I mean, we all want to know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? And there's all sorts of people, they make all millions of dollars on the church telling you the new way that the future is going to unfold. And don't get me wrong, the Bible says a lot about it. But the Bible also said a lot about when Jesus was going to come, and most of the people missed that too, even though he came. So let's read our Bibles instead of reading the newspaper and reading it into our Bibles. It's a good way to do it. Read the Bible first. See what's going on. Keep your head up. But how many people have walked away from the Lord because the rapture hasn't happened yet? A lot of people. Because there's all sorts of people saying, hey, this is what's going to go down. This is how it's going to go down. And when the European Union happened, it's the revived Roman Empire. Build a bunker. Some of you guys did that, right? Some of you guys are still eating spam from Y2K. If, if you get bored of spam, you can pass them along. I can make it at home, so don't worry. Or we have a great food pantry. You can always use a little spam, right? <laughs> People are like, yeah, spam. But listen, a prophet's primary job from the Lord is to call into question the status quo and to enliven and envision a more glorious future. To call into question the status quo and to energize and enliven a more glorious future. But guess what? Not everybody who says, thus say the Lord, is a prophet. And that is why in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the reality that we need to test the prophets. The Bible is full of as many false prophets as there are actual prophets. So just because someone has a delusion of grandeur that they are a prophet does not mean that they actually are. I've been walking with the Lord long. I've gotten all sorts of prophecies. I mean, prophecies that were so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, it's almost, I can't even recount them without giggling. You know, it's like I had somebody, since I've been here, they gave me a four judgments on Crossroads. It's totally bonkers. God isn't judging Crossroads. It's his bride. We're not perfect, but God take all of his judgment on Jesus. Like, even the premise is wrong. But everybody, you know, they're a prophet. Someone told them they were a prophet. They drank too much Kool-Aid at a conference sometime. And before you know it, they're telling you that they're a prophet. And Jezebel was a false prophet. That's what she was. And what was she doing? She had the people committing sexual immorality. The whole thing. Listen to what it says. I mean... She teaches and seduces my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed. I don't know. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she didn't do it. Look at verse 22. I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent, I will kill her children with death. So this woman, sexual immorality and Worshiping idols. The two types of adultery in the Bible, sexual and spiritual. Those two. This is her issue. Now, of course, calling someone Jezebel would be like calling someone Hitler or Judas. If you think about Jezebel in the Bible, you can read 1 Kings chapter 16 to 21 or 2 Kings 9. 
tells the story of this woman Jezebel. She was the wife of King Ahab. She was responsible for killing Naboth and taking his vineyard for her husband. She killed all the prophets of the Lord and she tried to kill the prophet Elijah but couldn't get it done. She was an evil biblical character. And so whether or not this woman's name was actually Jezebel or it's a a characterization of her, calling someone a woman Jezebel would be like calling a guy a Judas or a Hitler. It's just, it's as bad as it gets. Now, remember I said before that I was going to have some adult discussion. We need to have a birds and the bees talks. Why? Notice what's going on. She's seducing them to sexual immorality and the issue is that she won't repent and that ultimately the people who go with her won't repent. So it's not about have you done it or not. It's about are you willing to amend your ways and change? Now, what's interesting is I wasn't planning on doing this. I studied. I was away this week. And so I had my message prepared. And all week as I prayed about the message before I delivered, the one thing that came solely to my heart is that, Daniel, if you love My bride, you need to talk to them about sexual immorality because it is rampant in our culture. It is rampant. Our culture speaks prophetically into the church about what is acceptable and not acceptable sexually. And it makes sense that Satan will go right at sexual, our sexuality because it is the physical expression of the union between Jesus and the church or a man and a woman. It speaks of the physical union. And so it makes sense for Satan to take something sacred and bastardize it, change it, make it wrong. And statistically, one out of every two of us is involved in some sort of sexual immorality. So that means that what I'm going to talk about now is going to hit 50% of us. And that's if the statistics are true. Now, I just want to give you a little snapshot of what I found. So I'm pulling all of this research from the Kinsey Institute which has been compiling understanding of of sexuality in America for a number of years. Now, check this out. By age 18, 62% of men and 70% of women have already had sexual intercourse. That's two-thirds of every single teenager in America has had sexual intercourse before the age of 18. Two out of every three Two out of every three. That should make us horrified. Horrified. Well, if you're not horrified yet, I'm I'm just going to keep rolling for you. How about that? Now, the statistics on sexually transmitted diseases might be even more horrifying. Might be even more horrifying because right now what you have is you have Sexually transmitted diseases are growing at such a rapid pace right now that it's reaching epidemic proportions. Now, I know some of you are thinking, you're like, oh, yeah, those kids, they're crazy. You know, they just need Jesus. You know what the highest growth rate in STDs are? Boomers. Boomers have the highest growth. So, so for those of you who are younger, your parents' age group has the highest rate growth in sexually transmitted diseases as anybody. Let's talk about internet pornography. Internet pornography is the single largest grossing industry on the internet. More than ABC, NBC, and CBS combined. 60%, 60% of boys age 16 and other have seen 
internet pornography and watch it semi-frequently. I'm just going to put this where the rubber meets the road. We need to forsake Jezebel, all of us. Our culture has taken human sexuality and warped it so hard, and we are in it every single day, every single movie star, every single movie, every single TV show is pumping us a view of our sexuality that is totally off base. And let's be honest, there's a lot of us who are in it right now. There are men in here, you're married, you're watching internet pornography. Women, mommy porn is one of the largest growing industries. If you go to Kindle, if you go to Amazon, you look at free Kindle books, the top 20, 10 of them are women's mommy porn. It's like those pseudo-pornographic romance novels aimed at women. That's where we're living. And the reason they're the top 20 free is because they're the most downloaded. And unfortunately, the statistics within the church is not much better than the statistics outside of the church. Now, I bring all this up to tell you this. No matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been, if you are in Christ and you repent of your sins, you turn from it, there's forgiveness for you. But notice what happens to those who don't repent in this, to Jezebel and to those who have been seduced by her ways. I mean, Jesus says something that is so terrifying. Look what he says. I I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. That's what he says. Unless they repent of their deeds, I will kill her children with death, that the churches may know that I am he who searches the hearts and the minds. My prayer, because statistically speaking, one out of every two of us is struggling in this regard. My prayer is that repentance will happen in this room. That for those of you who are struggling and it's a hidden sin, you will drag it into the light. Listen, here at Crossroads, this is a grace place right here, which means if you drag your sin into the light with your loved ones, with your brothers and sisters here in Christ, no one's going to judge you because we're all in this together. We're all sinners in need of a savior. But the only way these things get fixed is to drag them into the light. And the reason most people will not drag their struggles into the light is because they've been hurt in church before. The place that's supposed to be a hospital ends up being a firing squad, and we are not that place. This is not that place. You can come broken as you are in the name of Jesus and say, look, I struggle with the sin of Jezebel. I struggle with it. And you will be embraced and prayed for and encouraged. And there'll be people that come alongside you and hold you accountable. But listen, we need to forsake Jezebel and follow Jesus because this is a warning. As a pastor, I struggled all week with this because I'm like, man, God, this is a tough word you want me to share with And he's like, look, if you love my bride, you'll go there with them. Because it's at an epidemic proportion. It'd be like saying the building's on fire, and don't worry, it's not right now, not this one. It'd be like saying, you know the building's on fire, but you're not telling anybody. Brothers and sisters, the building's on fire, not this one. But statistically speaking, sexual immorality is so huge in our culture and it's growing at such a rapid pace that if we do not talk seriously about it and say, look, I'm going to forsake that, I'm going to follow Jesus, and yet it's hard. I've been doing it habitually my whole life, X, Y, Z, whatever it is, you need to cut it off. If you can't handle a computer in your house, then trash that thing. 
If you can't handle your coworkers, then get a new job because the stakes are too high. And the, the witness of the church is being diminished because we are struggling so profoundly in this area. So I want to give all of us the liberty in this place today to get right with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm coming clean on this stuff. I'm coming clean. And for some of you, you're here and you need to give your life to Jesus so that you can come clean on this stuff. You need to say, look, I'm going to follow Jesus because that is where the forgiveness comes from. Faith applies the gift of God to our lives. That's what it does. It applies the free gift of God's love to our lives. And if you are here, no matter what you've done, no matter how much sexual immorality you've committed, you don't have to give everyone every detail. You need to come to Jesus and Jesus will take off those soiled garments of sin that we all have and will give you new, brand new, perfectly white, purified garments. That's the gospel. But I felt it was so important for us today to make sure that we are blood earnest about our sexuality and the culture that we live in. Because Satan is having a field day on something that God created for his glory. And if us as the people of God are not vigilant, then Satan wins. And because Jezebel was running rampant in the church in Thyatira and nobody called it out, I felt like the Lord said, Daniel, you need to call it out. We need to turn from our struggles and turn to Jesus. We need to turn from our failings and turn to him who never failed. That's the gospel. And you can do that right now in your own heart to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. You can go to your spouse and say, honey, I have failed and I am sorry. And you know what? If your wife loves or your husband loves the Lord, they'll forgive you. See, what happens is in a workspace culture, in a workspace situation, you go and you say, I'm so sorry. And, they, and all of a sudden, they internalize it as themselves. Not as you. This person is getting right with Jesus, and this is a good thing. They say, oh, what does this mean about me? So listen, if this happens, and I believe it's going to happen in a lot of couples today. If your husband or wife comes and say, look, I've really been struggling, don't judge them. Don't internalize it and, and focused on yourself. That's as equal much of a sin, isn't it? Selfishness is the same amount of sinfulness as sexual immorality. Simply just say, look, let's pray. Because they're trying to get right with the Lord and get right with you. And either way, just because they did something or looked at something on the internet doesn't make them a worse sinner than you. We're all sinners. You judging them is just as bad as what they did. So as your spouse comes to you, as your friends come to you and share their struggles, just say, listen, let's just pray and commit them into the hands of God, who's the one who can heal and fix and undergird and strengthen. Let's not let God's opportunity be used for judgment, for judgment. Notice, why does Jesus go through this? That the church may know that I am the one who searches the hearts and the minds, and I will give to each one according to his work. See, our lives are meant to be a witness, to be a testimony to who the Lord is. We reflect Jesus in the world. We reflect Jesus within the church. We reflect Jesus everywhere that we are. And when that reflection is tarnished, we miss out on being all that God would have us to be. Our lives were meant for others to see. It's been said that there are five gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then our lives. And what's interesting is most people will never read the first four. 
They'll simply watch you. Our lives are the most Bible that anyone may ever read. What are they seeing? Is it a good translation? Now, notice the challenge in verse 24. It says, Now to you, I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as who do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. Simple challenge. Jesus says, look, keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. You see why I opened with that quote about the greatest trick Satan ever pulled was convincing the world didn't exist? Because Satan was using Jezebel to infiltrate the church. And Jesus says, look, if you don't hold that doctrine, if you don't get down into the Jezebel stuff, he says, listen, I'm not going to burden you with any more. Hold fast what you have till I come. Brothers and sisters, we need to keep on keeping on. For some of you, sexual immorality is not something that you're struggling with right now. You need to keep on keeping on. Even if it's all going down around you, you need to steady on with our compass set to the Lord, true north. Not being reactive to everything, but just proactive. Just steady on, steady on. Isn't that one of the hardest things to do in life? Just to keep on going, keep on being steady, following the Lord. So he says to me, look, I'm not going to give you any more burdens. It's hard enough doing what you're doing. Just keep on, keeping on. Now notice the promise here in verse 26. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The promise is simply this. Be eternally minded by doing the will of God. Be eternally minded by doing the will of God. Now notice, verse 26, he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end. This is the first time that he who overcomes has gotten something added to it. We need to remember, we need to take the long view on things. I'll never forget, Pastor Bill, in one of his messages, made the point, I just, it was so perfect. He says, we fail to think consequentially. To put it in more common parlance, sometimes we cut off our nose despite our face. We need to keep our eyes on the reality that eternity is at the doors. Look at what it says. I will give power over the nations. And then verse 27 quotes Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. That he were going to rule the nations. Just as Jesus received the nations and will rule them with a rod of iron, we get to be rulers with Jesus, which means that we hold a place of power. Jesus is real. The intimate relationship between husbands and wives is a picture of God's relationship to his bride, the church. So no wonder Satan has made human sexuality such a target. Pastor Daniel was blunt when he reminded us that the stakes are so high that 
when you have a problem with sexual sin, you have to cut out whatever is causing the problem. With repentance, Jesus will take off those soiled garments and make you pure again. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Jesus Is Real Radio as we continue to study the letters written to the seven churches in Revelation. The church in Sardis doesn't receive any accolades, for there are only a few members who Jesus finds worthy to walk with him. The words to this church are harsh because they're meant to wake them up before it's too late. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Daniel will continue sharing with us from his series entitled Case Study. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.